Kraken fans, welcome back. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. This is the Midtown Madness podcast. Before we get going, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button as well as the notification bell down below so you know whenever we drop an episode. Uh, this episode and the whole season of the Midtown Madness podcast is brought to you by Two Men in a Garden. Whether you like it mild or hot, chunky or cantina style, people over two men have you covered. Pete, I got to tell you, with the guest we have on today, listeners, you're going to want to, if you're listening to this episode, you're going to want to pause it. You're going to want to go over to YouTube. You're going to want to pull up this interview. You're going to want to go over to your cabinet, grab the chips, hit the fridge, two men in a garden salsa, kick back on the couch and watch this interview. Uh, Pete, it's an unbelievable interview. But before we get to that interview, you can pick up Two Men in a Garden Salsa or any of their products at any local grocery store or online at twomenandagarden.com. Follow them on social media at Two Men Salsa on Instagram and Twitter. I was very upset to learn that the Olive and Lindbergh Schnooks did not have Two Men in a Garden when I went in there today. Uh, very upset. I'm going to have to, I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to the manager of that store uh, because I did not have two men in a garden this week. Uh, Pete, what we, we just finished this interview. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell people who we're about to, well, who we interviewed? So, so most of you, if you're listening to the show, probably know by now that men's basketball hired Chris Harriman um, as an assistant to replace or, or Phil if you're Forte. Corey Tate, Big C. That's right, Big C. <laughs> yes. uh, or or Harry to his friends. Yes. yes. Uh, welcome back, Harry. But um, so it, so it came out on Tuesday, the 25th, of course, the day that we released our last episode, that uh, that he would be the new assistant coach, um, replacing Phil Forte. Frank asked Corey Tate about it on, on, on his show Wednesday morning and Tate quickly, he went, where'd you hear that? And said he couldn't comment on anything. Uh, so of course, Slew's official announcement came out the next day on Thursday, the 27th. Um, so, so for those of you, you know, and, and, and this will help too for the interview, but a little background, he was an assistant under uh, Majerus at SLU and then went to uh, Nebraska under head coach Tim Miles, New Mexico under coaches Craig Neal and Paul Weir. And then he went out to Cal under coach uh, Mark Fox, who was just let go um, after this season or, or during the season, actually. Um, you'll hear in the interview, he's got uh, he's got an Australian accent. It's where he's from. And so he's been something of an international recruiter throughout his career. He's got that Australia pipeline in addition to other uh, markets. And I kind of touch on this briefly in a question in the interview, but just as kind of a, a heads up, there's a lot of information going around right now about what international recruiting in the age of NIL means. And and, and shout out to my buddy, Joe Weiss, for kind of doing the research uh, on this, but I'm just going to try and summarize it into something that I, that at least I can understand. Um, so, so international players don't get paid under NIL rules the same way that American players do. Um, it, it, it's because they're, they're 501c3 nonprofit organizations, collectives can't pay international players directly. Um, but they can, there's other forms of compensation, like an international trip, early season tournaments outside the U S 
uh, return trips home to host a camp or passive income inside the U.S., I think. Um, they just can't participate in promotional activities inside the U.S. So basically, the, the, the easier way to think of it is they can get NIL. It just has to be external in, the, in, the, in, in their home countries. right? Or, or could they do like like social media? Is that passive um, income technically? Like what? Is, like can they? I, that, do that's like, a good question. Like can they be sponsored be... by Lululemon? So like or Fabletics or whatever. I don't know. It would, but it would probably have to, whatever they did with them would technically have to be on their home turf, basically. So, uh, so, so yeah. So that's a that's a little complicated. But the 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 point is, and and Harriman addresses this. It doesn't mean that international recruiting is is shut down as we know it. It's still it's still going to be happening. There's still ways to to, you know, for for players to to get in involved in that. So um, it's it's nothing to worry about. And furthermore, SLU has boosters, prominent boosters with business interests in Australia. Not to mention we've got alums there like Cody Ellis and uh, you know his dad who played in the NBL, um, along with other SLU alums who were who were there and played in the league. And, uh, you know, credit to Brian as well for kind of bringing that detail to my attention. So just just as kind of a heads up about, um, you know, a, a, about where all that's coming from, who Chris Harriman is and why we're so excited to to have him back and, and, and be talking to him. And I think, as you'll find out shortly, uh, there's a lot of reason to be excited about this guy. Yeah, we were going to do a whole big, you know, segment where we talk about why we're excited. But for real, like this interview is so funny, so good, so interesting. Uh, of course, there's at least two Majera stories I guarantee you've never heard. Uh, so kick back, grab your two men in a garden salsa, grab your chips and check out this interview coming up right now. Billiken fans, uh, this may be one of the most surreal moments and guests we've had on this show. Uh, he's your newest old assistant coach. Uh, it is Chris Harriman. Uh, Chris, Harry, welcome back to St. Louis and welcome to the Midtown Madness podcast. Good to be back, fellas. I, I, I've never felt so old as what I do now. Everyone keeps saying the old coach is back. And I'm like, I'm not that old. You know what oh, man? I'm not God. that old. You don't need to be throwing that at me. But it's good to be back. I appreciate you guys having me on and I'm um, excited to be back in St. Louis. You know, I got to know, uh, uh, reading that article and the interview you did with uh, Stu Durando, uh, when Majerus left in the wheelchair before the game at Duquesne and he pointed at you and told you, Coach, was it with the middle finger? It was with the middle yes! finger. <laughs> yes! <laughs> it was with Zach, you know him. Let's you know, go. Man, you, you, you know, everything was done with that middle finger, right? Right in your chest, too. Right in the middle of your chest. Yeah, you know that really well. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> no doubt awesome. About it. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a it was a fun nod. It was something I'll I'll obviously never forget, you know, um, being in that situation. And I give and I think I said this to Stu. I give a lot of credit to, to Jim Weitzel and Jim Cruz, two veteran head coaches that have been doing a long time that didn't even blink. Um, but I remember bringing the guys in the locker room and asking if they didn't mind if I coached the game and, and Mike McCall and Jordan screaming out, going crazy. So immediately I drew up a lob dunk for, for Jordan to start the game just to keep the guys happy. So it ended up, ended up working out really well, though. Thankfully, we won the game. Yeah, you, you filled in a few times, didn't you? Only once. Just Only the once. once. Porter, okay. Porter, when I was here, Porter filled in probably five or six times. Okay. 
Um, but after he left, yeah, just, just, I want to know, you know, yeah, I want to know. So <laughs> I got the best record in college coaching. That's right. Uh, uh, Peter, Peter spent time on, uh, on the bench of, uh, multiple staff, two staff, at least two staffs. And he said, uh, I think he said coach Harry looked the most like a head coach in that moment. I think that's I what you said, that. right, Peter? I think what it is, is I said, like, if you, if you couldn't see the sideline, if you didn't know who was coaching, you wouldn't have known there was any change that day. I and really and, and that. having sat on the bench, literally on the bench for four years, there were, there were times where coaches were out or sick or whatever. And you, I really noticed, like, and I, I, I know I it's a different that. perspective. I wasn't watching when you have, um, when you have great kids on a team, which we yeah. did, and you have really strong relationships, you know, the, 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 the and I'm thankful for that. And I'm, I'm forever grateful because they, they played hard and they were committed to it. And I think it wouldn't have mattered if I was there or whoever that night, they, they were going to play the same way. Um, and that's a credit to them and who they were. Uh, Harry, when we spoke last week, after it was reported, you were coming back, you said something that I absolutely did not expect you to say. And Travis actually contacted you when he first got the job here. He did. We, we actually, I saw him um, at an AU event and, and he and I didn't know each other. And I saw him with the slew uh, jacket on. And I remember saying, Hey, congrats. You're going to love it. Like it's the best place. And he turned around and said, uh, any chance I can get you to come with me? Um, and I, it kind of stunned me a little bit. I was like, what, excuse me. And he had just said, Hey, I heard great things about you and whether he was fully serious or not, I don't know, but it felt like it at the time. Um, and, and it was one of those moments where you couldn't help but walk away and be like, wow, maybe I, maybe I should turn around and go walk back and say something to him again, because this has always been one of my favorite places. And, um, I'm thrilled now to be working for him and be back here for sure. So where, where were you at the time? Were you, I believe you were I was Mexico? at New Mexico. I okay. believe I just signed um, a three-year contract in New Mexico um, as the associate head coach there. So it was like, I believe Coach Ford's been here seven years. Is that correct? Right. So, yeah, so I was at, I was at New Mexico for three and then and then Cal for four. So it, it was right then after I just signed the contract. So timing mm. is everything in this profession. It is. It is so. So, what? How different was it this time? I mean, how did how did uh, did he reach out to you? Did you reach out to him? What was the conversation like this time around? You know, he was recruiting a kid um, that was leaving Cal. Um, that I had and a, a kid from overseas. Lars team and his name was um, big German kid. And and Coach Ford and I had spoke about him a couple of times, and and um, we had had a few conversations. So we were just strictly talking about um, this kid. And it just happened that the way things worked and they were bringing different people in and what have you. So he called me one morning um, and I was expecting the conversation to be about that again. And he just said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm having some changes on my staff. Is there any chance I can, I can get you out here? And obviously we knew each other, um, but not to that extent. So he offered me a chance to come out here and see him and spend some time with him, which obviously I did. And when I got back here and, and was around him, I realized um, not only is he a hell of a coach, but a great person. And uh, it was it, it didn't take me long to realize that we could fit great together. And um, hopefully I can help him some adapt in. And, and he doesn't need me as much as I need him. But it's but it's great to be back here with him because, I, you know, he's obviously done a heck of a job here. 
You know, it's interesting. You say you talk about how you guys can can mesh well together. Have you gotten any indication on like an outline of kind of your role or is it just kind of like bring who Chris Harriman is to the staff? Yeah, I think he's we're still trying to learn that. I mean, as we've talked more and learned more about each other, um, I'll be honest with you, it's been terrific. So we've just spent a lot of time at his house, a lot of time in the office, a lot of time having meals together and talking about everything, talking about everything from scouting to player development to recruiting to the current players, um, travel to everything. So I think I've always prided myself, as you know, Zach, on being someone that can just kind of fit in um, and 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 do whatever's necessary and and whatever he asked me to do, I'll do. Um, I, I don't mind what that is. I've I've been fortunate enough to be part of coaching the offense, coaching the defense, um, trying to have a heavy role in recruiting. So right now it's all hands on deck. Obviously, trying to make sure the roster is where it is, and that's kind of been our number one goal um, at least every every day since I've been here. Of recruiting, I, I want to kind of ask about the international aspect of recruiting right now because I think there's either a lot, there's a lot of uncertainty, right? Like I think a lot of fans think NIL has basically made international recruiting obsolete. Like, like a lot of there's a conception right now that people have that um, international players just can't get in on the action, and I know there's some some rules about that. But my understanding is there are there are workarounds, like legitimate workarounds. I'm not talking about anything you know shady. Um, how do you understand it right now? Like what, what's the international landscape? Is it, is it tougher now? Is it, is it easier now? Is it more or less the same? I actually think it's somewhat better. Um, and the reason being, and I, and I hate to sound, uh, negative towards, you know, some kids, whether they're in the portal or growing up in the States, but they're kind of secluded from it, you know? So when you have these conversations with a lot of international kids, quite frankly, it doesn't even really come up. Um, it eventually it gets to a certain point and you want to be able to do everything you can to help everybody um, benefit as much as everybody else on the team. But um, unfortunately, it may be the first or second thing you have that comes up in a discussion with a kid in a transfer portal. So um, it's kind of a breath, a breath of fresh air, if you would say. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also kids can benefit. There's Like you said, there's ways around different things and it becomes a little bit trickier. They have to do their name, image and likeness stuff overseas not not within the states right um so there's some things to work around it can make it a little bit more difficult but um by no means does it make it um harder or um more you know unlikely to have international guys um be part of the team speaking of you know making recruiting a little more difficult the the, the funny thing about kind of this off season was uh in a season in an off season where travis has so much playing time to offer. You have an unbelievable opportunity for older guys to come up and see if they can play at this level or guys that may want to come back down more playing time. And now you've got this NIL wrench thrown in. Have, have you guys ever, have you guys had conversations either with Travis or with, you know, other coaches in the profession about, uh, you know, a team that would have a lot of capital being playing time now they're kind of like, well, we're all kind of screwed in a way. I don't know. You know, I, I think that the best way to deal with a lot of these things, guys, is, is you have to be honest and upfront, right? And too many times what people run into with their problems is 
and this, and I've seen this a lot, I've heard this a lot. It's people paying for particular kids in the transfer portal and they spend these, you know, godly numbers. And then these kids come to campus and the kids that have been part of your program for two, three years are getting less and you start running into problems and you run into all these issues. Um, it, it's very tricky. Um, and it, and it can be something you have to navigate. And, and obviously us as coaches, there's a limitation to what we can and can't do, um, in regards to some of those things, but having honest dialogue is, is critical. Honest dialogue as a staff with the current players, with kids, you have to figure out ways that you can under promise and over deliver, because I think so much of this in college basketball is just these, you hear these crazy numbers and some of it's true. Um, but you also have to have a realistic approach and a plan. And if you don't have a plan and you're just throwing out money and grabbing guys and giving this kid that and whatever else, you're just swinging in the wind. And and inevitably it may work, but chances are it won't. So um, we've spent all our time here since I've been here developing that plan. And I, I believe they have a great plan in place. Um, they're trying to be fair. They're trying to be honest and trying to do it the right way with with great communication. So that helps. That helps a lot. You have a preference in terms of recruiting. Um, when you're looking at like high school prep, even JUCO players, there's a much longer runway on recruiting, years right. long in some cases. And now you're talking about uh, weeks, if you're lucky, uh, recruiting yeah. players. Do you do you kind of like the challenge of a short turnaround time with all the chaos and a frenzy of like all these players at once, or or do you prefer the long term sort of relationship building of you know recruiting high school players? It's a really, really good question. You know, when I was at Cal, um, a friend of mine called me from UNC Charlotte and he said, hey, we got this kid leaving. You, you might want to be interested. I called the kid at like 3.30 in the afternoon. He committed by 6.30 in the evening. He was on campus the next day. And then he led us in scoring and was one of the fifth best scorers in the Pac-12. And I was like, wow, that was pretty easy. You know, wow. so you have situations like that, right? I, I love building the relationships with kids over the course of time. The reality is that college basketball has just gotten so much older, you know, like in order to compete physically, um, you have to get older, not get younger. Um, so I think there has to be that fine balance of, you know, we have to find guys that can be part of our program that can be a core and have that stability, i.e. like a Rob Lowe, Cody Ellis, you know, we were fortunate to have some of those guys. You have to have those and then find the right fits. Obviously, it's an inexact science. But to answer your question, I kind of like chaos. You know, that's kind of how my life is right now, especially with moving. Um, you know, that that that's enjoyable, too. And it can be exciting. And you can find ways to really upgrade your program quickly. And as you guys said, when you have playing time available, I was once told, and I share this with players sometimes, and it can come off a little bit um mean i guess you would say but i was once told and this was by coach majerus wait always, wait hold on you're saying that rick majerus said something kind of mean this but was really meaningful this was less I mean than the other things zach this was less oh, mean. okay okay okay, okay. <laughs> he, he would he would point to us assistants and he would with his middle fingers middle finger and he would say it's their job to recruit players that are better than you and it's your job to beat them out and if we do that, we'll be really good, you know? So I think anytime you're trying to find ways to, to, to better your program, obviously you're continuing to find ways to, 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 to add talent, add the right fits. 
and then and then have a lot of conversations as you go. But it, it is it is a very very complicated way of doing things, and you have to have a plan. Um, otherwise, you can fail miserably. So the the plan is really uh, is it is it more of a kind of a long term roster construction plan? I guess I guess what I'm getting at is I, I've been I've been texting constantly with a couple of friends. You know, the, this off season as news is coming in and and things are going on about what is the best way to build a roster right now? And, and you talk about getting older to be competitive, but at the same time, I can't help but think, and I've said it on the show several times, um, we still have this big glut of extra players in college right now because of the COVID bonus year. Sure, um, sure. But, but I have to think that means a lot of high school players are being way undervalued and right. that th there is some long-term value in bringing those guys in even if they're not playing immediately, and I, I know everybody wants to play right away, but even if they're not playing immediately, if you can kind of retain guys for a few years and 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 build them up, you know, the way the way Rick did, you know, when when you were there, and I I know it's a different era already. Um, but do you see there's the there's the current landscape, but do you still kind of see it an ideal way to build a roster? Is it kind of a Man, mix a, of all the above? Really, it's a really hard question. I will say this. It depends on the level where you're at. Like I have some good friends that uh, head coaches at lower levels and they've just lost their mind because they'll bring in a kid who has a great freshman year and he's gone. Yeah. So, so retention becomes a major issue. Obviously I don't think we will deal with that at St. Louis um, like you would at places like that. But I have no doubt that um, finding that balance can be dependent upon your style of play. Like it was really important to me when I got here to understand what works in Coach Ford's system. Like what's the most valuable parts of, so watching workouts and studying players and watching film and understanding what he likes and what he doesn't like and what he thinks may be some issues. Because as you learn that, you start to think like, okay, long-term, if you bring a guy in and you put him in a position where he's playing behind a particular person, but he's evolving and we can put him in a, in, a, in, a, in a place where he can develop. There's no question there's value in that. And, and high school is under-recruited right now. Junior college is extremely under-recruited, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody's just living on the portal. So trying to find that balance to do it, um, I'm, I'm not sure there's a right answer. I think it depends upon the program. It depends upon the staff and it depends upon your current personnel. Um, and, and like you said, COVID is a whole different factor when it comes to that, because now you're trying to add in, does a kid have another year? If he wants to use it, is he going to use it? You know? Um, so it, it can be very, very challenging, but, but I'm not sure there's a right or wrong answer. Um, as much as you're trying to, to, to have some sense of sustainability, but also know that there's needs to be addressed. And if you can do that to make your team better and win, then you have to do it. You mentioned how big of a thing retention is. And I mean, I, I think you kind of, probably pre-answered it by, you know, it's talking about being upfront and honest. Uh, but how do you, you know, approach that when a, when a player does have a big year, maybe he's in your plans the next year or the year after, but doesn't see it. How do you kind of try to keep all the pieces together? If you have those conversations, Zach, at the end of the season, you're too late. You know, like those conversations have to begin early. And it's not about whether they're having a good year or a bad year, but it's basically sitting down with each kid and saying, hey, this is where we see you. This is what we're trying to develop. This is the things that you need to get better in. 
these might be things you have to address off the floor. This is a way you have to improve as a person. Like you have to have an ideal way to show them because it's no different to a professional. You have to show how you're going to increase their value and make them better and, and, and show them that, that this is the plan we're going to do with you from a personal development perspective, from understanding how to be um, statistically how professionals may look at it. Very fortunate to be close with a lot of different agents and general managers and scouts and people to where you can sit there and say, hey, look at the information. Look at all the things that's going on. Here's some things we see. And I think as you, if you're doing that consistently throughout the year, you can prevent problems from occurring. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but you got to get out ahead of things at all times and, and, and try to find ways to show guys that, hey, this is what we're looking to do. Um, and I think kids respect that as long as you're willing to be honest, um, good or bad. I think kids respect that. How much time have you been able to spend with the existing players at SLU right now, individual workouts, meetings, et cetera? Yeah, as much as I can. You know, I think that's to me um, the most difficult thing in terms of I've always felt like um, genuine, authentic relationships take time. And and I've told different guys that whether it be, you know, having lunch with Gibson or spending different time with TJ or being around guys like you just sit and try and talk. And I think it, it, it takes time, you know, to be in the trenches with these guys and go through the things you go through. Um, you build lifetime relationships and that's not just done over just sitting down over a cup of coffee or, a, you know, a Subway sandwich. You know what I mean? So I've tried to as much as I can. A lot of the guys are obviously leaving now for break. Um, but, but having those conversations on the phone, staying connected, FaceTime guys, talking to guys, I think it's critical. And, um, and, and obviously a, a, a big part of what I do, you know, it, it, it's, is have those relationships. So, um, as much as humanly possible, along with recruiting, probably to answer your question most. Right. Is, is there anyone that has stood out either on the court or off the court that you've kind of gotten, uh, to know as, I mean, even, you know, player, coach, you know, anybody? Well, it, coach wise, this is a, I love this stuff. You know, like you can see the, the different components to it and how they are. It's a really close stuff. You know, they get along great. Um, I've been part of staff, so you see it and you hear it and there's, there's, there's different problems and egos. I see none of that here. Um, but what I have seen on the floor, I've been really encouraged. I, I told coach my first workout, I was sitting there watching Sincere and Larry, and I was like, wow, I'm pretty impressed, you know, from just watching those guys play. Obviously, I, I felt like um, when you're looking at a particular athlete, whether it be like the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, there's always this feeling that it's going to be bigger, better-sized athletes. I think our perimeter players have good size and, 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 um, and shoot the ball really well. So the guys that I have looked at, Larry was really impressive to me. I think he's going to make a big jump. Um, I think Sincere is going to make a big jump. And and what I've seen from those guys, I was really impressed. Obviously, you know, Gibson guys like that, you see what you see. And you, you, you love their ability. But, um, yeah, I think that the perimeter players that we have here in place, I, I really like. I really, really like. Stylistically, have you guys talked a lot yet about how things are going to change now that Uri Collins is gone? Because, you know, for the last four years, everything has gone through him. And that's been so much of this team's identity. And and now that, you know, he, he's gone, clearly we're going to have to play a, a lot differently than we did before. 
Yeah, I think there's some excitement about that. Obviously, you miss somebody that's that talented. You know, he, he had a massive impact on this program and he had a wonderful career. I think that's what coaches love most is the challenge of like, okay, what now? You know, um, and, and in all honesty, we've had some of those conversations, probably not as much as what we'll have at a later date. Everything has probably been recruiting at the forefront of everything we talk about all day, every day. Um, and knowing what we're looking for and how we're going to do it. But we've we've had different com you know conversations about, hey, what have you seen with this? And I think sometimes when you can come in with a fresh perspective and a new set of eyes, sometimes you can see something that maybe might be, hey, I, you know, here's what I see with this, or I like this, or how about this, or have you ever thought about this? Um, and those are the conversations that coach um, encourages. And, and we've had over a, a lot of dinners at his house so far. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that challenge. Um, I wish he was still here. It'd be fun to have him, um, fun to coach him. Um, but obviously he's not. So we got to figure out what's the next steps moving forward. You know, I'm curious what you took from working under Rick Majerus. Like, what do you think, what aspect of your coaching style or your, your style as a professional in general, do you think you took most from Rick? You know, and you know this, Zach, like one of the things that I say to people all the time is it was the hardest four years of my life, um, the most rewarding four years. And probably I always say it's the equivalent of doing like your basketball PhD, right? Like I knew going into it, like this is going to be unbelievably hard. And but I had no idea. But once I got in it and I thought, like, I'm not sure I can. I can do this. This is going to be, it's either going to make it or break it. Um, and as every day went by, you felt like you were being part of a clinic and you were challenged to the nth degree in every single way. When you were driving at the time I lived in Baldwin and when you were driving down the highway to come to work, like I would have stomach pains, right? Cause I would know like what I'm walking into. And I would know that the level of detail and the questions that I was going to ask, like if you got it wrong, you might get crucified for the next two years because of it. So like you had to be so prepared and so organized. And I think that development of that four year window for me, when I've moved on in life and going to different staffs and different programs, I every day have said like, thank you. Like, thank you for everything you did for me because it's helped prepare me to be the coach that I really want to be, you know, and it, it put me in situations. It was the hardest things I've ever had to deal with for certain long periods of time, but it made me um, accountable. Um, it made me incredibly prepared. And then there was just no slippage in anything we did. There was no slippage in, in anything in the program. And, and he had his thumbs all and his thumb on it at all point in time. And you just, you, you knew like, I better be ready. This could be the next 10 questions he asked. He might be talking scouting and he might say, you know, how many times they run this play? And you better be able to say they ran it 14 times to the right and 11 times to the left. And you better be right. And then when he says when they ran it right, how many times they score? And you say, well, they ran it. They scored seven times, right? They missed four. But seven of their buckets, they got threes. And be like, what kind of threes? And you better know corner threes. Well, were they dead corner or regular corner? So, like, he would just keep going, right? And finally, you might get to a point and be like, I don't know. And he's like, you know what? I'm wasting my time with you. You know what I mean? It was like, I just answered like 19 <laughs> questions in a row. You know what I mean? I just got it all right. And I spent like 10 hours studying for this, but it was like recruiting. It was, 
scouting. It was, it was the whole deal. And you just felt like on edge, you know, we used to call him the hurricane because he'd just come busting. I'm in the same office guys that I was in 15 years ago. Right. <laughs> so like I walked in and I kind of got a little bit scared. Like I got a little bit spooked, you know, I'm like looking out the window and you know, whatever it, those feelings and emotions of him, like busting through that door. And I even told coach Ford, we were sitting in the room in his, in his office. And I was like, this office is like, I've had the best moments of my career and the hardest times of my career, like in this office, you know what I mean? Like I've had some discussions and some things like in this office that I'll never forget. So like all those feelings and emotions, and I know I'm giving you the longest winded answer ever, but all those feelings and emotions of all those things that you go through, it'll never leave me. Like it'll never leave me. And, and it, like, hopefully it made me a lot better. You're apologizing for doing something we want you to do. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, you get me started and I'll go like, I'll well, go for, I'll go for days, days, well, days well, on it. Let's start with imagining Rick Majerus in the age of name, image, and likeness. It would be unreal. It would be, <laughs> you know, like I, I tell this story, right? So we're sitting, um, I, I won't name the kid. We're sitting at, at his hotel, right? We're having a breakfast. And um, we had spent so much time recruiting this kid, right? He was a junior college All-American. He was a terrific player and a really good kid. He didn't come here, Zach, so don't even think about no, it. No, Peter but, Peter knows. I, he, he's got to know. know. So, oh. so, so we have this kid sitting at the hotel, Rick's Hotel, breakfast, right? Here we go. And we're thinking, like, we've got it. Like, we've got this kid. He's long. He's talented. He's athletic. Like, he's coming, right? So coach comes down for breakfast, and he was just in one of those moods. So he says to the kid, you know, talk to me about your goals and your situation. The kid's like, you know. Well, I'm thinking about, you know, trying to be in the NBA in a year. And Rick kind of like leans back at his chair. And I was like, oh, no. And he's like, son, um, are you kidding me? And so <laughs> he gets on the phone, gets someone to go to his room, comes down, and he has a San Antonio Spurs jersey. But he makes the kid stand up and put the jersey on. The jersey's like below his knees, right? And he's like, son, that's an NBA player's jersey. Like, that's what an NBA player looks for, looks like. That's how, like, like that's the how, how big they are. Like, are you kidding me? And just goes all in on this kid, right? And he just buries him. Like, you're too skinny. You're too weak. You're too soft. Like, your mentality. Like, I can't stand how you talk. Like, all in the whole way. So, anyways, like, all right, that's it at breakfast. And we look at the kid. <laughs> the Alex Jensen. I'm like, well, we better recruit somebody else out. I mean, it was just things like that. Like, you just couldn't. <laughs> So when a kid comes to him and asks for like, you know, a certain dollar amount, he would like lean back and be like, what? You know, like it would be. Um, I just, I just bought you an $80 steak at. Right. And like, what do you, what <laughs> right, you right, right, right. Like, well, how about you get some rebounds first? You know, like <laughs> how about you rebound the ball and, you know, like it, it would be, it would become, but I will say this, he's the smartest man I've ever met. And he would adapt and he would figure it out and he would have found a way to be extremely successful because that's just who he was, you know, like he's just so brilliant. He was so brilliant um, that, yeah, he, he would figure it out. I do find it interesting that yeah, a guy that's so dedicated to, to basketball, only basketball, like the way he kind of meshed with a guy like, or he would bring in a guy like Cody Ellis, Rob Lowe, a little bit more, again, laid back, Oceana, 
you know, uh, Cody right. Ellis definitely tipped a few the night before games. I'm sure of it. Uh, no I, doubt. How, no how doubt. Does, how does Rick handle that? Or does he just kind of ostrich that situation head right in the if, sand? If you can, if you can play right, like if you can play and you love ball and you're committed to the team, it was okay. Right. Like, like the different personalities and, and, and who they were, like we go to, and Cody will tell you this story. So we go to Perth, right? And it's me and coach. And we go, firstly, you got to get all the way to Sydney, right? Which is 13, 15 hours, whatever it is. Then you got to go another six out to Perth, right? So it's the most isolated city in the world, right? So we're all the way out in Perth and, and he's tired. Like we just flew all this way and we're sitting down with Cody, Cody's mom, dad at dinner. And his mom, God bless her, brings out this nice dip. And she puts this dip on the on the table, right? Well, coach thinks it's soup. And he's like just eating the soup, right? And I'm thinking like, and I had told him prior to the dinner, I was like, coach, listen, Cody's old man is kind of a man's man, right? Like, and if he offers you a beer, like, you got to have a sip, you know? Like, you got to say yes. Like, don't say no. And he's like, I don't drink. And I'm like, I know that. But like, just to have a sip and leave it there. So Mike Ellis comes around the corner and he's like, you want a beer, Rick? You know, and it's like, he's like, if you got one of them umbrella drinks. So he has like this, you know, cocktail and he's just rolling into the soup, uh, which was dip at the time. Um, and it was just like moments like that, like people just loved, you know, like the the innocence of the whole thing was just, it was just comical. But then when Cody comes over and he's just like so brutally honest with him and telling him how soft he was and he couldn't guard anybody and that like how weak he was and all these different things. And then Cody bangs like back to back threes, you know, like so this relationship of knowing how to get like the best out of like his staff, his players, he had this charismatic way about him. Like you just couldn't help but love, you know, and, and then he would say things that would just be so piercing and just so scathing um that would just you know be be so hard but um god bless those kids i mean they put up with so much and and when you win you see you know what you get from it and that's what made it such a special time was um we won and we won big you know we won big so you're in the exact same office as before was there any part of you that was like uh maybe i'll maybe i'll get a fresh start in another one no so true story so i told coach i want the there was there's two offices available right and i was like i want that one and he was like okay and i was like that that was my office like i want that one obviously we're moving to this beautiful facility right. that's going to be done here in uh, august or september or whatever but i just felt like man let me get in this office just to kind of have these memories um and which it has been because you know you're on the phone on recruits all day long and i'm looking out this exact same view and it just for me it was just like kind of cool you know what i mean like it was kind of cool because this has always been a place for me that I have my best memories. You know, I said this to many, many people, like I had my best memories here at SLU and some of the kids that I coached, I have the closest relationships to. Um, so just the whole thing encompassed, like it just makes sense. So I felt like the office just made sense too. It's been 15 years, but it certainly doesn't feel that way, except when you go back and look at uh, highlights or game film from, you know, 2010, 11, 12 team, uh, the, the, the fashion is just off the charts different. I, I mean, the, the length of those shorts Baggy were ridiculous. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Oh I had my like God. Goatee. My wife's like, you look terrible. 
you know, like, <laughs> what were you doing? You know what I mean? And I was like, babe, I, I thought I looked fantastic. You know, like all those, th- yeah, they're hard. I told Brian Condiment, I was like, what kind of picture are you posting of me, bro? Like, can you not find a better picture? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It, it, it's just, it is the, the suits, the get up, the whole, it was classic. Yeah, absolutely classic. Oh man. You say you're, you're, I know you, you're, you know, you've got all these memories of Majerus in that era. And I, you know, I, I listened to your interview with, with May today. And right. he, he talked about how Avery is now 16, perfectly healthy, doing well. I know you had some hard memories from, from St. Louis as well. Was there any part of you that kind of hesitated a little bit to go, you know, those, those were tough days too. That's a, that's a great question. You know, from, from going through um, all those things, um it never crossed my mind you know and I don't know why um you would think it would and I would say from from that point till now I've been through a ton probably more personally than I've been through professionally got divorced got remarried um have four wonderful children um but that memory of that day um obviously will always be with me no matter where I am but the people that were here, um, Janet Oberly, you know, Rachel Diener, all those people that helped me initially through those things, I'll never forget. That's that's what probably made that bond even stronger. Um, but the personal different things you go through, I, I never thought about that. It never, it never crossed my mind. And actually, when I the first person I told that I was taking the job other than my wife was Avery. And the reason why I just felt like he would be excited. And of course he was fired up. He was, you know, I'm now a six hour drive down the road instead of being, you know, in California and those places. So he, he, he was, he was fired up. So um, yeah, it was really cool, but now that never crossed my mind. I'm curious because in the time again, that it's been uh, the, the campus, it, it's, for this it's same for the most part but i mean there's so much different i mean i think when you were here del taco was still open yeah 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 uh, yeah uh, but i mean what any I, i'm assuming you've already walked through campus anything any big changes that kind of shocked you was west pine still a basketball gym when you were here yes did yes. you go in yes yes insane. absolutely so i it's went the, on my it's first bizarre my first campus tour um Coach Tate was doing it and I jumped on. It was a kid that I brought in here and I jumped on the tour. And it was like, I was like making him stop everywhere. And I was like telling him what this was and what that was and like what this was. I'm obviously, as you probably know, Zach, like I'm a big, big coffee guy. Like I'm a, I've got major coffee issues. But we're walking through campus and I was like, whoa, whoa, there's a Starbucks right here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like those kind of things to her as we go. But even driving around the city and going to these different places, like, we literally did pappies like every visit, right? Like we would order pappies like every visit or we would go to the Hill. Like I, well, I haven't been to either one of them yet. We've had God knows how many recruiting meals so far, but just driving around and seeing the city and seeing the facilities and, um, and seeing all those things. Yeah. It, it's, it's wild um, to, to, to see how much this place has grown and, and what it looks like now, which for me, my twisted mind immediately goes to recruiting, right? So as soon as we walk through something, I'm thinking, how does this help recruiting? I'm FaceTiming kids. I'm showing them different things. And it just, it's even more impressive. So um, what they've done here ha- has been remarkable. And um, man, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. 
going to be a lot of fun. What's it been like to have Tate uh, showing you around? Uh, He's the best. Go, going out to dinner with him and stuff. You know, I like I didn't know him at all. Like didn't yeah. know him one bit. And it's funny. Um, everybody, Zach, you know this. Like everybody calls me Harry. Like nobody calls me Chris. I don't know one person in my life that calls me Chris. Right. So I get here, and for the first couple of days, that you know, people are saying, you know, you know, hi, Chris, whatever else. And I'm kind of like looking around, like. And then you see Janet. She's like, what's up, Harry? You know, like whatever else. Well, Corey's obviously, you know, he, he calls me Big C. So he's got these different lines and, and all these different stuff. But like, I have loved being around that guy. And you see the effect that he has on the kids. Um, you see his personality around recruits. Um, he's been the best. He was snuck, stuck in a little snowstorm driving today. We were laughing on the phone on FaceTime. <laughs> Um, he, I love that dude. And I've quickly found out he's Mr. St. Louis. Now we crossed paths once or twice, maybe like 15 years ago. Um, he was at mineral air at the time, but we never got a chance to spend time like this. So, um, yeah, we, we, we've had a good time. He's a lot of fun to be around. The whole staff is they're great. You're going to bury the lead that Corey Tate's out recruiting in a place that's snowing. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say, that. you know, it's funny, like someone said to me the other day, um, oh, so you guys, you know, how's recruiting going, whatever. And I, you know, you obviously, you got to be somewhat mindful of, of, of talking about those things, but I can, I can guarantee you this since I've been here, just my perspective only and walked in the door, recruiting has been nonstop and there's been players coming in nonstop, a revolving door of different prospects. And I love every one of them. And I'm fully comfortable that we're going to have some really, really good players here. And it's most important, as you guys know, to get the right ones. So yeah. just like any place, um, New Mexico was wild when it came to recruiting. You would get off the, you know, kid would get off the plane and there'd be cameras everywhere and you couldn't hide anything. Um, it's not like that here, thankfully. Um, but um, I'm very, very excited about the kids we're recruiting. And I think we're going to have some really good players here shortly. One one last thing before we let you go, and and thanks again for your time and and coming on the show. Listen, I, I'm living in a hotel, man. I got nowhere to be. I can be on with you guys for the next five hours. <laughs> hey, hey, I mean, you want to you want to you want to do tell that? Zach that. No, I got nowhere to go. Hey, I got Harry, nowhere to go. Harry, co-host for the rest of the show. I mean, <laughs> I love to jump on a co-host once. Let's just, let's do it, there. right? Let's do it right yeah, now. Let me get let's in do there. it. But no, but, I got the game on TV. Oh, I'm gonna man. sit here and call kids all night long. I'm gonna jump on a recruiting call. Yeah, I got nowhere to be, man. Take your time. I don't know if you know this, but Zach is taking credit for you coming back to SLU. He thinks he, he may me. have willed yeah. this into existence. You're aware he of that. Me. I okay. accidentally did this. He when, told when, me. I appreciate it, you doing that, Zach. I, I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was <laughs> looking at these other schools, and thank God he's in my life. And and he was uh, – the crazy thing is, is as you start to come back here, like I had called, you know, a couple of different people – prior to coming back and just said, Hey, talk to me, you know, like, um, cause you build these strong relationships and, and it's funny that as you come back and you see some of these people, I like Zach, I, I remember seeing this dude nonstop. We would like play on the road and we'd be in some remote place. And then you turn around, boom, there he is. Jersey on beer in his hand, like rocking and ready to rock. You know what I mean? Like he was everywhere. So yeah. um, I know how much the Billikens mean to him and, and the fact that he brought me back here, I'm very appreciative of it. <laughs>
thank you so much. Yeah, it's doing. it's so funny that you you say that because I remember I recall uh, or being everywhere, and I recall uh, Rick Rick showed up and he was hired and he was hired early, really early, and he went on like a like a a, a dorm tour, right. uh, where he spoke at every dorm. And I went to everyone. I swear to God. Did you really? Yes. And I remember the what the one of I think it was like the fourth time he goes, dude, are, like what what's going on here? Like why <laughs> what, why do you keep why are you why are you here? It's the same thing every time. Like like you're stalking me, dude. Like chill out. <laughs> no, you're the best, man. You you were you know it's funny. Like even talking to Rama, you know, like. Like, like that, it's just, it's amazing. Like, it's amazing to touch base with all these people because like I said, that like those memories and those events and times and, you know, Chris was talking about losing to Michigan State. Like, I still talk about that game or, you know, having discussions about when we went to that tournament in LA and we beat Oklahoma, we beat Boston College first, then Oklahoma then Villanova, like mm-hmm. roll through that tournament or beating Washington at home. Like there's all these different things. And like, that's all I know. Right. So like someone's like, Oh, we're going to get back to being, I'm like, no, that's what it is. Like, that's what it is. That's what this place is. It's not what it's like. We're going to get like, it is, if it hasn't been that way, like it's about to be again, you know what I mean? Because there's just too much good here for it not to be successful. And I, and I believe in coach. I really do. After being around him, I, I'm really, really impressed in his philosophy, how he treats people, um, his ability to connect, his ability to recruit. Um, sometimes you can get scared, fellas. Like you can recruit a kid, and then when you bring him to campus, you're a little bit nervous of what's going to happen with the head coach, how it's all going to go. Like I can't wait to get a kid in front of Coach Ford. Like I can't wait to have a recruit around him because it's only going to enhance your chances to get him. So his personality, we we we've we the coffee uh, you the, the you coffee wait you, markets you, in you, in St. Louis are going to be done because we both drink so much coffee. You mean <laughs> he doesn't put a uh, an NBA jersey on a kid in Berlin? He has not done that yet. Okay, he's not Just done that yet. Or he's checking. I mean, I'll tell you that like this is I promise this is the last story. So we're in Florida. <laughs> You're right? promising something we don't want to hear. We're we're in Florida, <laughs> me and Rick, and we're recruiting a kid, Martavius. Irving, I think it might have been, went to Kansas State. So, so the they lived in a really tough area in Fort Lauderdale. And we go down on the recruiting visit. And um, I don't know, I probably shouldn't tell this one, but I will anyway. So we're 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 doing a home visit and we're in there or whatever, and we're having this, you know, great, you know, conversation or whatever. And and coach says, I gotta get up, I gotta go to the bathroom real quick. So I'm carrying the conversation. We're talking and it's going a minute, two minutes. It's going a little bit for a while. And um, and I'm thinking to myself, like, like, where did he go? Right. So the way the house was set up, like if you walk past the hallway, right, you can look down to the bathroom. Like you could see the bathroom. Right. And I'm thinking like, so my antennas go up immediately like, okay, whatever's going on is probably not good, right? So we got to avoid this, right? And as this is happening, his mom gets up and says, hey, let's go from the kitchen over to the living room. Well, you got to walk past the hallway to get to the living room, right? So I jump up first and I turn and look down and, and it, it, you know, he's, he's, he's standing at the bathroom and he's got his pants around his ankles. And I'm like, 
thinking to myself, like, so I'm trying to tell the, the mom and the kid, like, stop, you know, like, hey, what's this? You know, like trucking to talk about the room, like, what we got going on over here? You know, like doing Look, all that. Thing. It was just like moments like that. It was just the greatest, funniest stories when you get back and you talk to the other assistants about and those things. But then he comes back and he's the most charismatic, like amazing person to, to them. And, and, you know, just new history of all these different things. And, um, and he was mentalization, like you read about it, it. You, 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 you can't, you know, when I first got the job, I'm walking past a guy named Donnie Daniels who worked for him at Utah for a long time. And I don't know Donnie Daniels and I'm walking past and Donnie like taps me on the shoulder. I turn around. He's at Gonzaga at the time. And he puts his arm around me. He's like, it's going to be okay. And I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, it's going to be okay. You know, like the people that work for him know <laughs> to other people like, hey, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I understand it. So, um, yeah, no, amazing. It, was, it was amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing time. But thankfully, oh, I wouldn't have any of those issues with Coach Ford. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I would hope not. Yeah. Well, oh, my well, gosh. Welcome back, and yes. and and thank we I, Zach. I think we got to let this man make some calls. Yeah, it's in our it's man, on yeah. it's in our best interest yes, to let you is, get back yes. on the phone with yeah. people. No, I who appreciate it, us. fellas. I appreciate no. it. It's been, it's been great. Um, I'll come on anytime. It's great to see you guys, and and um, like I said, man, just so excited to hopefully be in the gym with you guys and be around you guys as much as possible. I know you do a terrific job, and um, don't tell Chris May I said this, but best podcast in St. Louis. So um, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Harry, thank you very we'll much. Uh, we'll catch up off the show a little more, but it was it was unbelievable catching up with you. And uh, uh, we're we're you know we're Billica fans. We're behind you, man. Appreciate it, fellas. Look forward to it. And we'll talk soon. Pete, I, I, again, I really hope that my intro, um, I uh, as Chris Harriman said, under promise, over deliver. I really hope that I did under promise and over deliver with that interview. Because quite honestly, is one of the most kind of the most fun interviews I think I, I I've done. It's clear that you kind of had an existing rapport with him. Uh, I think that really that really helps that you guys had had a relationship of some kind, you know, to where knowing each other really gave him that that familiarity. But I think he's just that kind of guy. I mean, he's he's been in this profession a long time. He's a good recruiter. Uh, just a naturally charismatic guy. And as he said, he likes to think that he can kind of fit in any, any situation. And, uh, and man, does that make for a good interview? Kind of vintage, you know, go throwing it back to the, the Cody Ellis interview, the, the Kyle Cassidy interview, the guys that I went to school with are, are were in college at the same time with got to know a little bit. Then it, it really has that same type of feel to it. Uh, but yeah, thank you again to Harry for, for jumping on the show and giving us, more time than we could have even asked for. Um, but Pete, I, I want to switch gears a little bit because what I've always told people when they say, Hey, you know what? We appreciate coverage, you know, talking about us. Right. I always say, if you win, you will get top billing on this show. And, right. and um, right now, nobody is hotter in the athletic department than Billiken softball. It's incredible. So, so we're going to talk about them first because they are representing the Billikens at a high level right now. 
They absolutely are. They're um, and we'll get to it. They're on a, a, a program record winning streak, and uh, it's 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 been incredible to watch how they're doing it too. Um, we want to kick it off, Zach. They yeah. had a game. They Wednesday played Linden twenty second. Yes. Sorry, I'm trying to sell my bike, and uh, I get messages on <laughs> Facebook constantly. So I apologize. I I got thrown off there for a minute. Um. Pete, a 6-4 win versus Lindenwood on Wednesday the 22nd. It got a little bit uh a little bit tricky at the end there. They made it interesting. It was there. Yes. This was this was the ninth straight win, which I believe this was the one that tied the school record. And the last team to win nine straight was back in 2015, not too long ago. Um five different players had at least one RBI in this one, with Natalie Sullivan driving in two. Sullivan and Marietta were the only players with two hits. Um, and Kelsey Etling hit her fourth home run of the season, which was a solo shot. Kylie Hanner allowed one earned run in four innings of work. And then Taylor Hockman pitched the last three innings, allowing one more and uh, sorry, one more earned run and two unearned. Uh, but she wound up getting the win. Luckily, um, it, what's been amazing to me is, is and this is no exception. Um, they've been without a whole lot of hits, been able to kind of pull out wins, you know, Um not a, not a huge offensive game. They've just been really efficient in making everything count. Um, so this was one of those kind of wins. And in a midweek game, too, it's uh, it's tough to pull off. Um, on to the next game, 3-2 uh, win in 10 innings versus George Mason. A lot of extra innings on the, on the diamond, both for baseball and softball this weekend. Uh, Slew took a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the first on Sullivan's fourth home run of the season. Mason then tied it in the third. Uh, there was no more scoring until the 10th. Pitchers duel all the way through. Uh, Chloe Ryan led off with a single, and Sullivan moved her to second on a sack fly. Gabby Kowala gave Slew first and third with another single, and Abby Mallow, who else, Drives in the winning run with a sack fly. Chloe Wendling went all 10 innings for her 19th win of the season. Second most in program history. And this is the team's 10th. This was the team's 10th straight win, establishing a new school record, Pete. Yeah, and they kept it going later that day. It was game two of a doubleheader. Another walk-off, too. 4-3 win against George Mason. The 11th straight win. Um, this one in the seventh inning, though. They didn't need extras. The game went back and forth for a while before uh, pinch hitter Kendall Johnson sent Grace Mack um, home on a single. Ryan Sullivan and Mallow had two hits apiece. No surprises there. Ryan scored twice for the second straight game. She's been a great uh, leadoff hitter. She also had an RBI and, and Mallow had two. Kylie Hanner went the distance for the win in this one. Really quality game for her. And then, um, Zach, they capped off uh, the series on Sunday the 30th. This one, not as close as the others. Yeah, I got a bone to pick with this game. Uh, I was trying to work out during the entire game, and when it only goes five innings, it mm. really, you know, I have to find something new. So thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> uh, the Billikens blow out George Mason 9-1 to one in five innings on Sunday the 30th. Uh, Chloe Wendling, Ka Ka Kylie, Kylie Hanner, Tammy Newbanks, Kelsey Etling, and Gabby Kowalik. By the way, speaking of mispronunciation, uh, Kineski, I need to apologize. I've been saying it wrong for probably two years now. It's Kineski? Yes. Because as I'm on the bike, 
listening to the dulcet tones of our good friend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he calls her Kineski. All right. All right. Then I then I guess that's uh that's what we'll do. But yeah. uh but those five you just mentioned were honored, Zach. Yes. Uh see they got the senior day honoring. And I mean, some of them have been here again five years, and we'll talk about it in a minute. Uh Stu Durando put out a really nice piece on on you know the the duo of Chloe Wendling, Gabby Kowalik, and and then the rest of the seniors as well. Uh the win streak is now at 12 in a row. Uh, extending that program record that we mentioned before. Mason actually scored first in this one. A little nervy for a second. I was getting, I was a little worried. Uh, they got their only run in the top of the first inning. Slew didn't score until the third when they had three, then scored four in the fourth and two in the fifth. Mello was two for three with a home run and three RBIs. The home run was her 12th of the season, and she now owns the slew record for RBIs in a season with 52. Abbott and Etling also went two for three with Abbott driving in two. Etling scored twice. Kowalik and Sullivan also scored twice. Wendling got her 20th win, pitching all five innings. Yeah, and and to top it off, we just found out uh, today that uh, Mallow was selected A-10 Rookie of the Week, so she oh, just continues to... I thought it to... was her third... Well, I, I, who, I thought somebody had their third straight. Is that her third player straight of rookie week. of the week? She was player of the week before, and now it's rookie of the week. So oh, uh, what, what, the cop out, you know. Somebody we'll, we'll got a participation it. trophy. <laughs> but regardless, Slew is now in sole possession of first place with a conference record of 18 and four, overall record of 27 and 22. Zach, the, I, I was thinking this. The impressive thing about this winning streak is that it's come against four different a 10 opponents who are third, fourth, sixth, and seventh in the standings. So it's not just like they're beating up on bottom feeders that happen to be clustered together in the schedule. And they're kind of winning in a variety of ways. You've got pitchers duels here, high scoring games, blowouts. They're just grinding out wins, no matter what the game throws at them. And, uh, and no matter what kind of day they're having, it's been really, really impressive to watch. Um, I, I got to hand it to them. I, I did not see this, this kind of streak coming. I just didn't. No, it's it's pretty crazy that you know two of the the you know they mentioned in the article that it, this has kind of mirrored the women's basketball team, and I don't know if you can compare the two. Uh, it's a very very different situation. You have a bunch of uh, players that have been here forever, uh, and, a, versus, and a long tenured coach, and a, and a long tenured coach. I believe she's the now the longest tenured coach at SLU. Um, since uh Halliburton left and then uh Miller. Mm -hmm. Uh but yeah, it's it's incredible what she's doing and and certainly they're benefiting from the covid bonus here. They certainly are. I mean, you you definitely look at the senior class and it's like, okay, well that's five big names, right? I mean, they they're losing a lot. They they're losing two of their their key pitchers. They they're losing a couple big bats. Um it it's uh it's it's going to be a tough class to replace, but regardless, um you can't say enough good things about how they're they're playing right now. Um, next up, they're going to finish the regular season against fifth place Rhode Island up in Kingston. Uh, the Rams are 11 and 11 in conference and six games below 500 overall with a record of 21, 27 and one. Uh, the tie was against last place St. Bonaventure. I meant to look into what happened that led that one to be a tie. And was and it I at St. Bonaventure? Because that, probably, that was my hunch. Because <laughs> uh, it was, uh, I'm going to go with a light situation. Yeah, it was, well, lights or uh, blizzard. 
I don't know, something. Who, who I know knows? the baseball diamond doesn't have lights. And if the baseball yeah. diamond doesn't have lights, um, a good chance that the uh, the softball field does not either. That's right. Yeah. Um, one thing I thought was kind of, I don't know if I like the mentality. Well, I, okay. I don't, there's nothing wrong with the mentality. It, it, the, our goal is to be in the A-10 championship game. Then all bets are off because everyone has seen everyone. I mm-hmm. really feel like, I don't know. It's it's way more impressive for them to win this regular season championship for the first time in program history. Um, obviously, an NCAA tournament bid would be wonderful. Uh, but, you know, I think it's a, a better mark of a team. I don't know. To win the regular season? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and you know, this, this was one we had talked about before. We're like is this program getting stagnant? You know, do yeah. they, do they need to make a move here? And that's entirely possible. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, yeah. I, I think, I think with this, the, the, you know, you're talking about a team that doesn't have a lot of resources again, mm-hmm. no press box. They don't have the hitting center that the baseball team has. Um, I mean, dude, like you, you'll maybe win every once every eight years. I, I, I mean, I think this is Dayton's tough, but I mean, this could be the year and it would be, wild that i think what carter mentioned to us that five teams at st louis university could make the ncl or could be a 10 champions in one year is that assuming both baseball and softball yes. okay yeah i mean yeah. it's certainly it's certainly That's... possible i mean they're both very much in the mix um and, and no matter what conference you're in 18 and 4 is a crazy conference record i mean that's because that means you're sweeping teams right yes. like, like you're not just winning series with an 18 and 4 record you're, you're, you're sweeping teams just as much as you're winning a, a two to one series there. Softball's super interesting because of the pitching situation and how much it differs from baseball. Right. And that it, it all like, like pulling a pitcher is almost always strategic. I guess it, I guess in baseball, it's obviously there, there's strategy uh, with the, the pitcher and his health, but like I'm talking like game specific strategy. It's not necessarily like strategic look. You're never looking ahead to the next. Oh, the next game. Sorry, got the hockey on. Uh, goalie just got just m- murdered. Um, good good audio content right there. Yeah, you know, I I I try to please everyone. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, it's it's amazing. It, it, it's great to see, and of course. Uh, we love anytime the Billikens are, are are doing really well. Yeah, we sure do. And and that's that's you know, we had an interview, but otherwise that's why we're we're leading off the rest of the week with uh with what they've done because I know I've used the word a lot, but they've just been so impressive and and fun to watch this season. Um let's jump right back to basketball. Uh Will Bailey officially takes the uh job under Drew Valentine at Loyola, he will be leaving St. Louis University. Yeah, he's so he's a Chicago native. You know, he played at UAB um, back in the 90s, I guess, and and started his coaching career there, followed by stops at East Tennessee State, Maine, Chicago State, LaSalle, SLU, South Carolina, UMass, those under Frank Martin, although he never technically coached at UMass, SLU again, and now Loyola. So look, it's a profession where you hop around a lot. This is... uh, a lot of stops in a really short amount of time, uh, you know, to get from South Carolina um, to Loyola. But um, it, it was kind of weird, Zach, because with assistant coaches, you kind of get more attached to them. It takes a little time, right? 
um, because then you start to see like their recruiting efforts pay off. That always takes a couple seasons before you really start seeing those. And, um, and we just, with this, this round of Bailey, the second round of Bailey coming through the program, I feel like I didn't get too attached this time around. Um, and, and he was gone just as quick as he came. I don't know if you feel the same way on, on that, but it's kind of a weird feeling. Yeah, it, it really is. It's, um, it is, I, I think, I think the portal has kind of done it, it's it's kind of softened that a little bit that that um what, what am i looking for that getting attached right i think the portal sure. and understanding that people are just constantly moving um it, you're just kind of like well okay it, it's it's really conditioned us yeah, I, I think that I think there's something to that for sure. I mean, it, it's it's it, it's interesting in this situation because now we've had back to back assistants leave. Obviously, we've already replaced one of them, but um, they've both gone to their hometowns, basically. And it, it's you you could say, well, you know, they they had opportunities there, and 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 it's hard to pass those up. It's it's also you know we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, what it means for our program and, and, and the shape it's in and everything. And look, I, I feel great about the Harriman hire. Um, I'm, I'm happy for, for Forte and Bailey going to their hometowns, recruiting their hometowns. And, and that's a, you know, there's something to be said for that. So I, I really like, I like all these people. I wish the best for all of them. Um, you know, in the meantime, Christian Nunez is, is I'm guessing who's been filling in for now. The NCAA allows you to move up um, a, another staff member to a recruiting assistant position uh, until you fill that position. And we've just seen a few offers, as we'll get into soon, that are coming from New York and D.C. Nunez is a New Yorker. He knows the East Coast. It's not an area that Ford or Tate or Harriman are known for necessarily. So the, the, the indications that I'm seeing is that that might be Nunez's influence going I know a 10 country and I, I, you know, here are some more New York kids, uh, guys from, from programs we're familiar with. Uh, so, so anyway, that, that's kind of, you know, we haven't seen anything official that he, that he's the guy who's kind of doing that work, but it sure feels like it to me right now, um, that, that he's out there and, and hitting those AAU events and, and working the areas that, that he knows best, the would, would be my guess as to what's going on right now. Uh, speaking of recruiting, uh, some transfer news. We've been, we have confirmed uh, a couple visitors. Uh, I mean, we haven't, but we in the general sense. Uh, talk about uh, Tim Dalger and Kawani Kawani. Yeah, so Dalger is um, a 6'7", 218-pound forward from Tulsa. He'd be a senior, um, but he might still have two years of eligibility left because of the COVID year. Um, I think he played his freshman year at a Juco averaged about 10 and five at Tulsa. He's really not the most efficient scorer about 38% from the field. Um, although he does shoot about 35% from three on about four attempts a game, which is, is pretty nice to have at that position. Um, Tulsa only went five and 25 this season under first year coach, Eric Conkle. Um, and it's the second straight year. They've had a ton of roster turnover with five of their top six scorers leaving. Um, so it's, it's been, you know, he has, he's been there during a tumultuous time and, um, I'm interested to see 
in his last stop, if, if some of those kind of efficiency issues um, can, can kind of clear up, but this is definitely a position of need for slew. I mean, I think he'd be a true four, um, even though he can stretch, I think he'd play a four in the a 10. And that's definitely um, something we would need on the roster. I think this guy would too. Kwani Kwani, who's six, nine, 200. So a little taller, a little skinnier. Um, he's a, he's a grad transfer from Cal. He will be graduating this, this month there. Um, he averaged nine and four. He's also not the most efficient player from the field, um, but he can also step out and shoot it uh, from three. He's actually really good from the free throw line, uh, which you don't often see for a guy who's not necessarily efficient from other areas. Really long, really lean. Uh, like I said, more of a stretch four than a five. His parents are South Sudanese, um, but fled a civil war and he was born in Kenya. And then the family moved to Australia when he was six. He started playing basketball when he was 11, and then four years later moved to the U.S. on his own to pursue it further. So he played three years at Victory Rock Prep in Florida. We know that name because that's where Mark High Strickland went. And then he finished at Prolific Prep in Napa, California. His older brother played at Eastern New Mexico, and he has two younger brothers who are both D1 prospects. Um, Kier is a 2024 recruit who's at International Sports Academy in Ohio. And then uh, Mading, Modding, is a 2026 player who's in Australia and he's in their national team program. Um, I don't know if he will come over here at any point uh, for, for, for prep school, but regardless, he, he, he looks really impressive on, on video. Um, Kier is just starting to get D one offers as a 2024 recruit. So um, that's something to keep an eye on is, is the fact that he's got those younger brothers too. Um, you know, Harriman has hinted at this in, in his interview with us in his interview with May with Stu. Um, I think we've had five or six guys on campus. Those are the only two that we know for sure. Uh, we, we know more are on the way and that more have been on campus. We just haven't been able to confirm names yet. So that's what we know for now. Uh, one interesting and familiar name to hit the portal, uh, Jimmy Bell Jr., the locomotive. Yeah. Uh, he's leaving West Virginia and uh, SLU has at least reached out. It was, it was surprising me to, to to see him hit the portal because he just played in their spring football game. And I thought, well, this is kind of a fun new chapter for him. Even if he's not going to be like a contributor or a factor on their football team, he's got that option there. Um, but just a few days later, he hits the portal and says he's not pursuing football. So we know Slew has reached out. We could be an option, you know, if, if, he, if he's not worried about football. Um, he did say he wants to visit Mizzou and Mississippi State. So we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But how do we feel about him possibly returning? You know, I guess whatever circumstances he left under the first time around before he went to Moberly for a year, um, I guess they, you know, he left on positive terms overall. Yeah. I, I don't think it was, you know, basketball related or, you know, uh, it definitely wasn't a basketball centric decision. Uh, so I, I welcome him back with open arms. Absolutely. I mean, he yeah. is, he is the, he is a beef we need in that middle, like that strength, that, um, you know, physicality. I absolutely give me Jimmy Bell. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, again, we're talking about a position of need. The only five we have on the roster right now is, um, is Bruce and yep. um, he's, he's an incoming freshman and, and there's just, there's just going to be Wait a for him curve. to be the a 10 player of the year. You never know. You never know. He's certainly a skilled kid. He certainly got the size. 
but uh but yeah we we definitely need more depth down i i still think bruce is either going to be like the greatest billiken of all time or like eh. (laughs) like he's going to be there emmanuel selentakis or he's going to be like rob Lowe. rob Lowe. like i don't think there's going to be any in between like i don't know i just think it's kind of that it's such a mysterious signing that it's like it has to be good right yeah yeah, we'll we'll find out. You know, first uh, first player from China. Um, we'll see when he shows up on campus. You know, the exciting thing is this month. Uh, you know, we have graduation. We have the end of the school year and finals. And by the end of the month, we can start seeing incoming players show up if they want to. Uh, some guys are going to go back home and do some different things over the summer. That's fine. But um, anytime between now and August, basically, we're going to start seeing people show up, and and I, I love that. Uh, so yeah, you never know. We're talking about the portal here, and you noted something mm. strange today on Twitter, uh, and I really think this is like, this is like something that would do like a like a eight minute uh, e sixty segment right. on, and that's potentially fake contact lists. So this is something that I've kind of. Look, everybody talks about how annoyed they are when they see it in portal season, right? Here's a player who's in the portal and says he's heard from or is being recruited by or has interest, however it's worded, um, from the following programs. And then there's a list of anywhere from two to 25 programs. And an entire conference. It's 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 entirely possible that when those are being recorded, reported, that they're true, right? Like a guy hits the portal, he's a good player. A lot of different schools have a need for a player like that, and they call him up. Very like completely reasonable. And there are other times where you're just like, I I just don't know about this. Slu got listed as interested in a player from Texas Tech, which seems reasonable on its face, right? Texas Tech transfer Ethan Duncan will announce his commitment on May 1st, has received interest from, and then it goes on to list 10 schools, Northern Colorado, Texas Tech, Lipscomb, Middle Tennessee, St. Louis, San Diego, Robert Morris, Boston College, Colgate, Drake. So you have a pretty wide range of schools there. None of those are in the same, like, like it's like if you like it literally is if you tried to find each colleges that were equidistant from each right. other and span the entire U- United States. It, you're you're right. They're they're literally all over the map in terms of program stature, geographic location. It's it's a very strange assortment. But again, entirely possible these things happen. Um, my policy, uh, you know, our policy on these things have been. When Slew shows up on a, on a list like this, we're not going to do a deep dive on a guy, right? Because it could have just been one phone call that went nowhere. Um, some Jordan Neisler called him. Some guys want the NIL bag. Some guys, it's just not a good fit. Whatever. You know, uh, as Harriman just told us, as, as Ford has said, um, they, they, want to, um, they want to get some things clear with guys right up front to know whether they should keep pursuing or not. And, and that's, that's part of the challenge right now. Um, I'm gonna try this, that in my dating life. You should, speed, it's speed dating. You know, I think you've already made that comparison as to what uh, what the portal is. It's kind of like speed dating. Yes, but 
this one struck me as weird, right? So, so, so back to our our policy has generally been: we see one of these, we retweet it. If if somebody who follows us wants to run with it, fine. But this one was weird because I because I I once I saw he was making his commitment today. I originally saw it four days ago, retweet it, whatever. Didn't think much about it. Then I dig into this kid and realize. He's a former walk-on at Texas Tech. I think he just got a scholarship this season because it was one of those things where they had an extra. Probably they did one of those social media videos where they give him, you know, the reveal of the scholarship and everything like that. But I look at this kid and he's local. He's from West Texas. He's from Lubbock. Um, he was a walk-on. Now he's a scholarship player. He never played, like literally did not get in any games for Texas Tech. Um, I read that he had a shoulder injury. Okay, fine. But I'm like, why would a former walk-on from Lubbock at Texas Tech be receiving interest from all these schools? And then I dig a little deeper and I'm like, I couldn't find any evidence of him being recruited by anybody out of high school. It's not like he just decided to stay home and walk on over offers. I don't think he had other D1 offers. Like there's just no record of D1 offers anywhere. And then when the, 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 the kicker, was he commits today to Lubbock Christian University. That's not even the kicker, my man. It's not the kicker. This is like, so this is, you know, the beginning of act three, I guess. He commits to Lubbock Christian University, which is obviously a private small school in his own town of Lubbock, where Texas Tech is. The shaman level twist is coming, baby. (laughs) And I'll let you handle that. Now, granted, Lubbock Christian is is NCAA Division Two, right? It's not NAIA. It's not. Um, it, it's 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 not a JUCO. It is D two. Um, so so sure that that's fine and everything. It's still small, you know. It's like fifteen hundred undergrad kind of school or less. Um, but the, the the real kicker, Zach, is his dad is the coach of the school, yep. which you which you brought to my attention. Yeah. And so I'm like, now I want to rewind and I'm looking at the tweets about this kid. And you're telling me a guy who walked on at Texas Tech, who didn't play, had had interest from multiple power conference schools and other schools all over the country. I'm like, I just, I, I don't think that's true. I don't think SLU made that call. I don't think Boston College made that call. Um, yeah. I don't think Texas Tech was trying to keep him. I think the whole point is, you got a free scholarship this year, my man. Now it's time to move on uh, and do your thing unless you want to walk on here some more. I don't even know if he got a walk-on offer because they've got a new coach there. Who knows? Um, the whole thing kind of just stunk to me. And so, yeah, I tweeted out like this. This uh, Basically what I tweeted was, Duncan committed to Lubbock Christian University and has us wondering what percentage of quote-unquote interested schools for recruits are actually interested. And then I went on to say, this list appears to be completely fake. He's a former walk-on who didn't play at Texas Tech and was never a D1 prospect in high school. Now, look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe these schools really did call. I really, really doubt it. And I'm willing to bet they didn't. And I'm willing to bet there were no actual offers from these D1 schools. I could see like one or two calling just because like, uh, like, oh, hey, this, you know, Kid from Texas Tech is transferring. Let's see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And then you get okay, cool. Never mind. Yeah. And it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Drake. It wouldn't be Boston College. It wouldn't be SLU. It wouldn't be Colgate. I mean, these are all those are teams either in power conferences or that have been winning 
you know, they're non-power conferences lately. They, they're not scraping for walk-ons. I mean, that's, that's not what they're doing. Uh, it just didn't make sense to me. And it, it just kind of stunk. And, you know, uh, I, it's, it's an interesting conversation. And, and, and I know there we are call a it lot hustle. Of, call it hustle, call it hustle, call it whatever you want. But I know there are a lot of sources out there that are just saying, here's who they've heard from. And there's not really a vetting process. And I think for the most part, you should take guys at their word. Um, but I think it's weird that recruits are willing to put their names out there as having been contacted by or offered by or interest, gotten interest from schools that clearly do not have interest in them. That That's a bad look to me. And uh, I, I, I hope... I, I hope that you know people learn that they shouldn't do that one way or the other. I don't. I don't wish the worst on anybody for making a dumb, uh, youth youthful mistake. But like, come on, man! Like, don't don't lie about who's recruiting you. Oh, it really is the wild west out there, Pete. It really is uh, out, out there in Lubbock. Let's talk about the safe and familiar world of high school recruiting. <laughs> Like I, like I hinted at earlier, we've got three new 2025 offers out, and I'll go through these quickly. Uh, the first one was to Jaden Fort, who's a 6'8 big man from Jackson Reed High School in Washington, D.C. He plays for Team Durant on the Nike EYBL AAU circuit. Long athletic forward. He's got a polished game for his age. D doesn't play like a sophomore. Great leaping ability. Plenty of highlight reel finishes. He's got nice touch on his jumper. Energetic rebounder. An excellent shot blocker. Uh, really effective defensive player. The other offers he's got right now are from George Mason, Texas A&M, Old Dominion, and uh, NJIT, New Jersey Institute of Technology, for those who don't know. Lots of interest, too. Um, I, I think he's going to really raise his stock this summer heading into his junior year. The next one was Caden Mingo, who's uh, a 6'2 point guard from Long Island Lutheran High School. Plays for the PSA Cardinals, um, which is another Nike EYBL program. That's the AAU program that gave us Hassan French. Um, for those who might not be familiar, he's another one with a game beyond his years, um, but at the guard spot, he's kind of a downhill playmaker and a really nice finisher. He can hit his jumper consistently off the dribble, which is a skill you love to see for a younger guy. Lockdown defender. Um, and he's got a brother in the class behind him who also looks like a D1 player already. Um, I believe SLU is his first offer. So his, his recruitment is just starting to get off the ground. And then the third was Jaden Reed, who's a 6'8 forward from Westminster Academy in Connecticut. Um, he also plays with the PSA Cardinals AAU program. He's an excellent shooter who stretches defense with his uh, three-point ability. He's got soft touch around the rim. He's more of a back-to-the-basket big at this point when he's inside. Uh, but he runs the floor really well, solid rebounder, um, and, a, and another excellent shot blocker. He's got a 7'2 wingspan already. Smart, hardworking kid. Um, he's not a, not afraid to play physical. And SLU is his third offer after Quinnipiac and uh, Central Connecticut State. Uh, Pete, the Billikens had a few individual workouts. Um, photos have come out. Uh, anything that stuck out to you? Or a any few news things. you heard? A few things, yeah. Um, uh, Kellen Thames looks huge. Uh, uh, Tate... When he talked to Frank and Rammer, uh, said he's up to six seven and has added about fifteen to twenty pounds of muscle. So uh, he looks way different than when he came in. And uh, <laughs> a guy with that size and the fact that he's played guard for so long, he's going to be able to do anything um, if he if he really keeps putting in the work. 
uh, play any position, I mean. And then we also got to look at Daniel Rivera. Um, he's been cleared to play after his his foot surgery um, sidelined him this year. And uh, his posts from the workouts that they've been having, you know, tell me that he's sticking around. And uh, we, we've only seen little glimpses, but it's it's good to actually see somebody we haven't seen at all, you know, in, in a uniform doing anything out there practicing. So those were the things that really stuck out to me. I know we've got some other guys um, obviously returning, but uh, but what about you? Anything to anything to read from these little clips we get? Well, I actually uh, thought it was wild that Corey Tate compared Larry to his father. I did too. Um, yes. <laughs> Way to set expectations there. Uh, I mean that, and to be fair, uh, as one of our good friends pointed out. It wasn't really the interview on the whole wasn't really a, a hype fest. No, no it was a very down to earth interview or doubt, you know, on the level interview. And all of a sudden, yeah, Larry is, you know, he's really looking a lot like his dad. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Tate, Tate's, uh, you know he's 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 sweet talking his players a little bit there. You know, Larry's a, a much different player than his dad. He's he's a much different player. Um, obviously got a lot to work on in his game, but uh, but showed us some promise last season, and you know we're excited to see his development. Harry just told us like, look, he expects him to make a big leap this season, and and that's what we expect. But uh, to 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 compare him to the national freshman of the year in in, in 1997 is it's a lot that's high expectations right there uh pete let's talk a little bit about the schedule or i guess lack thereof in a lot of ways so what's going I, on with this myrtle beach invitational the word is that, that we're going to be in it um i don't think they've officially officially released the field yet zach but i think um i think we're going to be playing in this thing this is the mte the multi-team event uh not my favorite acronym as we know um but we discussed this a few weeks ago the other schools Coastal Carolina, who hosts um, in their home gym, Liberty, Vermont, Wichita State, Charleston, Furman, Wyoming. It's November 16th to 19th, if they have it the same days as um, as as last year. It's the weekend before Thanksgiving, basically, is when it'll happen. And it's a three-game event, so this likely means that SLU's going to have one less home game um, than they did the past couple seasons because... We do have some road obligations. We know that SIUC, Drake, and NC State are all locked in as road games. Um, Stu told us that that SLU hasn't signed in any contracts yet, but has a few opponents lined up, including an NCAA team and an NIT team from last season coming in. Um, both Ford and Tate said it's easy to find good opponents who want to do a home-and-home, home, but they want you to go to their place first. It's much harder to find a home-and-home where they're willing to come to your place first. And, and I think that's um, that that's the tough thing about scheduling right now is kind of figuring out who blinks first. And uh, and unfortunately, all SLU can offer right now is is dates at Chaffetz. So it's going to be tough to fill out the rest of the schedule, but that's that's kind of where they stand right now. And, uh, and, and, you know, we'll see it take form. I don't think it'll be as challenging a schedule as we saw last season, um, but it sounds like there's some nice games on there nonetheless for us. Pete, I think we're going to, I think for the fan base's mental health, I feel like we're going to skip the portal section this week. We we did that long interview with, with Harry 
And, and we haven't seen any recruiting news, any firm commitments here for the Billikens. And I yeah. got to be honest, I get tired of seeing commitments to other schools and not slew. You know, the good the good news is here, it was a little bit quieter week in the A-10 regardless. So I think we can stack this one with the next week because one thing that I've noticed is it's it's slowing down. Like the portal is definitely slowing down. It's over 1,600 names in the D1 portal this season. Um, the last two years have both been over 1,700, and we might see it still hit that. Uh, but it's clearly slowed down, and uh, and yeah, I don't mind skipping it either. Yeah, and also I think we might have to skip the trivia question because we don't have <laughs> one. And also we gave you that entire interview with Harry. Um, do we, what do we want to do with the trivia? The trivia discussion topic. Put it I, off for another I, week. Yeah, and take it this I, week. sorry, right. sorry, Chris. Chris, sorry. we promise, we promise, yes. we're going to talk about this one. You're first up. Uh, but yeah, we'll put it off for one more week and, and that'll be, uh, you know, we'll come up with, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this and then come up with another question for you guys next week. Uh, women's basketball held their uh, championship celebration event on Thursday, the 27th and uh, unveiled a nice new banner outside uh, Chaffetz arena. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it's, it's great that that's, you know, they've got the, They've got the big real estate now, the the banner facing the highway, the uh, the A10 champion. What do you think about the banner design itself? Would you have done anything differently? Yeah, you know, I had something to say about it. Um, you know, I love it. It's great, and I love that they are putting them front and center. But like, I don't know. It, it seems like you could have just left it at because it says A10 champions and tournament uh, NCAA tournament appearance, like. I feel like NCAA tournament appearance isn't really like, like it's something to celebrate, but like not in writing on a 30 foot banner. Well, I don't know. It just seems a lot more like, like you don't need to tell the public you had an NCAA tournament. The, the people driving on the highway don't really care. Like they understand champions, right? Everyone understands champions. Uh, NCAA tournament is just kind of icing on the cake, in my opinion. So I don't know. I just think it's kind of a design flaw too, like visually. Yeah, I think you want to make your banner about one thing or the other, right? Um, you know, if there, there's a lot of things to celebrate about what they did this season, um, but I think you you leave it at a ten champs. You've got the trophy. You've got the players. You've got some 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 action shots, some celebration shots. Um. I don't, th yeah, I don't think you need to, to make it two things at once. And I, I think most people who are going to pay attention to that and like that banner are kind of going to know that when you win your conference, you go to the tournament um, already. So I don't know. I, I think, yeah, maybe they're trying to do a little too much on too it, much, but, yeah. but regardless um, it's cool. And they, they, they deserve the spot. They earned the spot and uh, you'd love seeing it out there. It, overall, the design is nice. I like the, look. yeah. Uh, you mentioned, um, action shots and uh ncaa tweeted out uh like a poll with action shots and one of them is brooke flowers stuffing it was a part like stuffing a tennessee player and like not to be morbid but if that was a picture of me like blocking like a, a, a future w like, a future nba player comparatively speaking like i would insist that be put on my grave 
<laughs> like that photo embossed on the grave. Like, swear you, to God, you would like, have it tattooed on your back. Yes, right? <laughs> I, if 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 that's not Brooke Flowers' Instagram profile picture for the next seventy years or whatever, yeah. like that's yeah. that I, I I'm questioning. It, I'm questioning it, her. It's her version of uh, Chris Sloan's dunk on Channing Fry. <laughs> where, where Immortalized I, I, in the slew uh, commercial. That's right. It's got it. He's got to have posters of that somewhere. Yes. Uh, oh, you know, he hides it in the, like a little closet somewhere. He <laughs> goes and holds vigil over it. Yeah, you he, do, Chris. He yeah, probably you do. Uh, plays the YouTube clip for his kids all the time. I'm, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, I would. Oh, I 100% would. Oh, I'm are you not kidding me. I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll give him shit for it all day, but I'll do the same damn thing. <laughs> That's right. Uh, let's talk a little hardball. Uh, yep. eight five win versus Western Illinois on the twenty fifth, Pete. Yeah, baseball had a little bit more of a, a mixed results week than uh, than softball did, but they they at least got things going with this win. Um, Western Illinois actually got out to a five zero lead after three innings. Uh, but Slew got four back in the fifth, tied it in the seventh, and then they scored three in the eighth to put it away. Slew had the bases loaded in the eighth um, with the score tied at five. And then Tyler Fogarty singled up the middle to break the tie and get things going. Cameron Swanger and Hayden Moore each had two hits and two RBIs. Uh, Ethan Sitzman had two hits and two runs. Caleb Thompson gave up two runs in two innings. Um, and then Luke Gasser gave up the three-run homer, but Jack Weber pitched four scoreless innings. Um, and Evan Evan Gray got the win. Ethan Bell got the save. You gotta love how many guys actually get on the mound in a in a midweek game like this. Um, and then Zach, they headed out to VCU for a, a challenging series um, on the road this weekend. Yeah, the MLB had a bit of a midweek game between the uh, the Padres and the Giants out there in in Mexico City at altitude. Ten uh, six mm. loss on Friday the twenty eighth. Uh, this game was moved up to 3 p.m. 3.30 Central Time to avoid the weather. Uh, so it appeared to be in control of this one. Um, you know, uh, a great outing uh, by Henry Littman. Uh, three runs, two earned in five innings. Uh, he really did all he could in this one. He's been so good for the Billikens this year. The bullpen has to close this one out, Pete. Uh, the Bills scored five in the first two innings. BCU got three back. Then Slew scored again in the top of the seventh before the Rams scored four in the bottom of the inning and three insurance runs in the next. Closey and Redding both homered with Closey and Hayden Moore each with two RBIs. Slew's six runs were scored by six different players. The Bills only had four hits. Uh, Evan Gray was a member of the bullpen that gave up the four runs. Uh, in the seventh and got the loss. Fremion was on the mound for the last three. So a tough day for the Billiken bullpen. Yeah, but luckily they uh, they bounced back on Saturday, the 29th, uh, flipped the score. It was a 10-5 win. Um, Slew scored four in the top of the second. VCU tied it in the following inning, but then Slew added three more in the sixth and three more in the ninth to seal it. Uh, Jack Weber threw six strong innings of relief to take the win. Um, everyone in Slew's lineup got at least one hit with Swanger, Fogarty, Closey, and Moore getting two apiece. Swanger, Moore, and Newegg each had two RBIs. And then Swanger, Preston, and Smith all scored twice. Just a great team effort in this one um, to get the win. 
Um, but unfortunately, Zach, the rubber match on Sunday did not go their way. Yeah, uh, this I believe was also on Saturday, though. Uh, oh, that's right. The, that's they right. played they the double dip. It. Yeah. Yep. Uh, seven six loss in eleven. Uh, slew out hit VCU thirteen to six, but had three errors, and those really cost them the game. Uh, they had a six three lead, and VCU tied it in the bottom of the seventh. VCU loaded the bases in the eleventh and singled home the walk off run. Redding went three for five with three RBIs and a run. Fogarty was three for six with a run. Moore two for four with two RBIs and two runs. Holmes went six innings, gave up three earned runs again. The bullpen in this one just cannot shut the door. Jack mm-hmm. Dumont pitched the last three innings and gave up the final run. He took the loss. Uh, with 10 regular seasons games to play, Slew is 26 and 16, 11 and 5 in the 8 10. Tied for second place with St. Joe's and just behind Davidson. Davidson has come on strong. They were they they were a little slow out of the gate uh, in the A-10, but uh, have really showed that they are, again, the class of the league. Uh, they will take on George Washington at home in a three-game weekend series. GWF 500 team in conference, but 16 and 28 overall. Uh, Pete, women's and men's tennis uh, finished out their season. They did. And I got, I got to give women's tennis credit for really outperforming uh, my expectations. They were the nine seed at the A-10 championship in Orlando last week and had the eight seed George Mason in the first round. They actually ran into George Mason in that that event they played in in Hilton Head Island earlier this season and lost a close one. But this time they they worked them for nothing uh, was the win. Elizabeth Mintusova moved to 26 and two in doubles play, tying a school record. Um, her partner was uh, Senia Alashina. She also won in the one spot in singles, as did Nora and Hesham and uh, Fiorella Duran um, in the two, two and three spots. Sandra, you say Gines and uh, Maya Spencer won in their doubles match as well to make uh, quick work of Mason. And then Zach, they took VCU, the one seed in the uh, in the tournament, all the way to the wire. Yeah, a 4-3 loss versus the one seed VCU in the quarterfinals. VCU has won the last four 8-10 titles, but SLU made it about as close as possible, coming back from a 3-0 deficit to push the Rams to the brink. Mitisova broke the doubles record, winning her 27th match and her 21st with Alashina, her partner in this one. VCU won the other two doubles matches, though. Uh, VCU took number three in six singles, but... Hesham won in the two spot and Spencer won in the five. Mintasova came back to win at the number one. Alashina's number four match went to a third set tiebreaker, but she came up just short. Mm. Slew finished with 18 wins this season, second most in program history. Uh, Pete, uh, our, our, uh, our loyal follower, uh, I say that like I'm a cult leader. Um, uh, uh, Michael Gaines tweeted out that there is something weird going on in this athletic department kind of right now where every sport, but basketball is kind of just steadily doing well, like yeah. on, a, on an upward trajectory. You know, since we started this show, I got to say, I, I do feel good about the direction of pretty much every, every program, you know, um, I, I, I look at maybe, uh, field hockey is the one where it just seems like it's it's just a tough one to really get started and get off the ground. Um, other than that, I would say everybody is is meeting or outperforming expectations. 
um, in terms of where the program's been historically, in terms of what their resources are, in terms of facilities, all of that stuff. Um, they're doing pretty well. So I give the athletic program a lot of credit for what they're doing in, in, you know, pretty much across the board. Uh, he, you know, Gaines has been tough on the men's basketball program lately. So I think he was trying to draw any contrast possible, but, um, if it means giving the women's tennis program credit for a good weekend, uh, you know, they certainly deserve it. Absolutely. Uh, men's tennis, not so much. Uh, Slew's the three seed at the A-10 championships also held in Orlando at the USTA national campus. Uh, same time, same Bob time, same Bob place, uh, four, one loss versus six seed Dayton in the first round. Uh, this one was delayed for a long time due to rain, eventually moving it indoors, uh, to finish it off. Luca Leonardo won Slew's only point five, number five singles. Ryota Fukushima and Thea Ortis won at number two doubles. Slew finished five and six on the season. 15 and six. Oh, 15 and six. Sorry, missed that one in there. Uh, track and field, Pete. Uh, they had a uh, uh, they had a really nice weekend. They did. The Kip Janvin Open and the Drake Relays, um, up, both up in Iowa. Um, so, the, so they got to go to both. Um, at, at the Janvin Open, they had a number of top three finishes and PRs, but the Drake relays are really, you know, that's the really prestigious event in track. Um, and, and they did well. The men's sprint relay team set a new school record of 327-27. That's Will Stewart, Danny Hopkins, Malik Stewart, and Matt DeHaas. Uh, the women's four by two team set a new school record of 139-95 and finished fourth overall. That's Emily Nichols, Maddie Person, uh, Jayla Robinson, and Michaela McDowell. And then uh, Nichols also finished fifth in the 400 with a season best time of 55.87. So she had a great weekend. Uh, Madeline Rold had a PR in the javelin throw uh, with uh, 43.03 meters. So so Slew showed up for that event um, and I, I think had a pretty positive weekend overall. And it's good momentum heading into the A-10 championships, which are uh, May 6th and 7th up at UMass this season. So uh, we'll be following along this weekend couple of spring games for women's soccer started off with a 5-0 win versus McKendry Wednesday, the 26th at Herman Caroline Kelly had two. Jamie. God, why didn't I give this to you? Cause I cannot do this last name. Pete. <laughs> Deber Ardenas, I think. Deber Ardenas had one Emily Pericelli and Becca Walterman each got a half in this one. Uh, yeah. Dominating performances as it should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they got the 1-0 win against Illinois on Saturday the 29th. This was their final spring game. And, uh, you, you know, they they play a variety of, of programs. They tend to be regional games. Um, but you really like to see kind of what they do against other power conference teams, right? So this was, uh, this was a good result, I think, even though it's not, you know, a full-on midseason game or anything like that. The only goal was from Hannah Sawyer uh, cleaning up her own rebound. And uh, unfortunately, she later had to be helped off the field with an injury. Uh, hopefully nothing serious. It was a contact injury. It wasn't a non-contact thing. So, uh, you know, the, the early read on that would, would be that it's not the worst. So that's, that's good. Um, but hopefully, hopefully that's the case and that, uh, and that they're all right. Because I know they've been dinged up by injuries all spring long. And uh, we want to see them get back to uh, 100% strength in the fall. Um, and then they also had some recruiting news, Zach, uh, that came through over the weekend. Ellen Nelson 
was added to the roster for this upcoming fall season. She's a forward out of Park Hill High School and uh, Kansas City Scott Gallagher. Um, and I think they may actually have room for one or two more if they wanted to um, for this next season. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that as well. But um, as we always say, you know, this this conference goes through St. Louis until further notice. Absolutely. Well, that that does it for the week in Billiken Athletics. I, I really hope you uh, enjoyed the uh, Chris Harriman video or video uh, interview. Sorry, I, it's getting late. Um, <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Midtown Mad Pod at Peter is a tweeter at Zach Miller MMP and on Instagram at Midtown Mad Pod. Uh, thank you guys again so much for listening. Uh, if you have any suggestions you might have, or you, if you have any suggestions, send them our way. Subscribe, rate, all that good stuff. Uh, as always, Pete, go Bills. Go Bills.